When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain down I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up, 3 What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of Three Swings. I think this might be the last one of the year. Hey, we did it. We made it through another calendar year. Oh, boy. It feels like it was either the slowest or the fastest year I've ever experienced. What about you? Uh, Good baseball season. Great playoffs until the World Series. I mean, it was still exciting, but, you know, not for me. Um, So, yeah, look, we did it. This show has existed for a calendar year i think i did some spring training stuff so i'm pretty excited about that something else i'm pretty excited about is i've got some uh tour dates coming up in 2019 now this is for my la based listeners i have tour dates but i'm not a band so i go out and then i come back it's really funny to me everybody thinks i'm like gone for months or something (laughs) and i feel like that happens and then i don't get invited to stuff selfishly i'm using my podcast to remind everybody that i'll be in los angeles most of the time (laughs) i really just go out for like a weekend and then i come back but these are my tour dates uh i will be back at sketchfest on thursday uh january 17th at 8 p.m at the gateway theater you can get tickets for that now and then the very next night i will be at the balcony club on the 18th which is a friday in january in idaho boise where are my boise at Saturdays are for the Boise. That's not a real thing. Uh, Follow Baseball is Cute because their bio I just on Instagram, it's adorable, number one. And number two, their bio is Saturdays are for the everybody. I like that. So the Balcony Club on the 18th of January, that's a Friday, 8 p.m. show. Get those tickets now. They're selling fast. The next night, which is a Saturday, the 19th of January, I will be at Mississippi Studios in Portland, one of my favorite rooms in the country. We added a second show a while ago. That show is at 10 p.m., and there's a few tickets left for that. Then Sunday, January 20th, the very next night, I will be in Seattle, Washington at the Crocodile Cafe. Added a second show for that one because the early show sold out. That show is at 9 p.m. Tickets are going fast, so pick those up now. Then the very next weekend on... uh, January the 24th, which is a Thursday, I'll be at the Tempe Improv. Pick up those tickets. I don't have the link just yet, but I will get it to you. And then the next night, Friday, January 25th, I'll be at 191 Tool in Tucson, Arizona. Fast forward to February the 16th, and I'll be at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, California. Then moving towards March, getting even closer to baseball, kicking off. I will be at Thalia Hall in Chicago on Friday, March 1st. The next night, I'll be in New York City. That's right, New York City at the Gramercy Theater at 8 p.m. on Saturday, March 2nd. Tickets to both those shows are available now. And the following weekend, I will be doing a weekend in Burlington, Vermont. My first time in Vermont. I've driven through it, 
but I've only really played New Hampshire. So that's going to be fun. I'm going to eat a lot of ice cream and stuff. Probably be really cold. And I'll bring my Birkenstocks. But those shows are Thursday through Saturday. Uh, and tickets, the ticket link will be available within the next month or so. And then starting Tuesday the 19th through the 23rd, I will be in Fort Worth, Texas at the Amphibian Stage. And tickets will be available in a couple months. So please buy those tickets now. What a great uh, birthday gift or holiday present that would be for somebody to buy some tickets. I'm also going to be at those shows with the sweet-ass patches I made with little friends of printmaking. Um, They're my favorites. I really love their work. You may have uh, seen it in uh, definitely episode one of Take My Wife. There's a poster behind my head at my desk that they made when they were visiting artists at my alma mater, Myers School of Art at the University of Akron. Uh, Wonderful folks. They helped me make this patch. I would love to make t-shirts and stuff like that, but I it is impossible for me to travel with them, unfortunately. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I can't make t-shirts, but maybe I will and put them online or something if everybody wants to buy them. I love making t-shirts. I also want to make some pennants and stuff. It's, it's tough, you know? It's tough. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. Um, haven't really been any big trades. Andrew McCutcheon went to the Phillies, so he's back in the Keystone State. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious how he feels about that, but I think that's a good pickup. They need, they definitely need that veteran leadership there. You know, they need somebody that's been around. Um, and it seems like, you know, Reese Hoskins is going to be back at first base, which I like, because I think he just needs that for his brain. Um, I feel like, uh, when you play the position that makes you feel the most comfortable, you hit better. That's just my, that's my, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Someone who plays recreation league baseball. Um, who else? Some pitching stuff has happened, you know, some moves here and there, but nothing really. I don't really get into this. I've said this many times. I don't, I don't really care about the money, all that stuff. It does seem like the Dodgers are making a play for Bryce Harper, but I think he's going to go back to the Nats. I mean, they have a killer rotation, and I think they're picking up Dallas Keuchel also, and that would be nuts. And they are, if that's true, then they, I mean, they have Scherzer, Strasburg, they'd have Keuchel and Corbin, and who am I forgetting? Somebody else that you're screaming from your cubicle or your house while you're wrapping presents. Killer rotation. That's a big, big rotation. Plus, they have decent bats already. Uh, what's his name? The third baseman. Anthony. I can't think of his last name. Whatever. It's... I'm tired. Hey, we're winding down the year, and this is all I got. So, anyway, I got it together. I got up this morning. It's a Sunday. I told myself, you got up kind of early on a Sunday, 8.30. That was sleeping in for me. You got up early enough. Why don't you throw on Bull Durham and then do a review of Bull Durham just by yourself? And guess what? I'm doing it. I can't believe it. it it's difficult to get, get... Look, I don't record my podcast from in a studio because it doesn't feel right. Sometimes it does. I have a fun time recording with Bench Coach Brett because then I get to see him giggle, and that's fun. But it's difficult for me to get down there. I just... That's my process. I don't... It's hard. So I like to be in my house, sitting on a rug in the corner, looking out the window, talking about baseball to you, whoever you are. And difficult to get a guest to come into that situation because I can't have anybody come over to my house at 9 in the morning on a Sunday. (laughs) I mean, I could, 
but it's a it's a hard sell, especially the same morning. You know what I mean? Like just calling, say, hey. Also, if I called them, they'd be like, you're a psychopath, which is weird. But I would suggest calling people these days. I've been doing that a lot lately, and it's pretty great. And I do use my headphones, but I don't sit on my phone. Make yourself do that. Call someone, put in the headphones, put the phone in the pocket. Talk to them like it's you're on a landline. Make yourself stay within 10 feet from the wall. It's like time travel. <laughs> so, speaking of time travel, we are going to be right back with a review of the... Oh, I forgot to look up <laughs> what year this movie's from. It's from 1989, right? Or 88? Uh, Bull Durham. I'm looking it up right now. 1988! I'm so close. So on top of it. Speaking of time travel, we will be right back after these messages with my review slash chat about one of, if not my favorite, baseball slash sports movie of all time, 1988's Bull Durham. So I've been looking for just some very simple clothes, easy to get, well-made, and guess what? Everlane has those exact clothes. Because why would you buy a t-shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? I sure wouldn't. And with Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes, like I said. And I got something I've been looking for for a long, 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 long time from Everlane. I got a black denim jacket that actually fits. Everlane only makes premium essentials, like a black denim jacket, using the finest materials without traditional markups. And they tell you they're real costs, so you know you're never overpaying. Everlane wants you to know what you're paying for and why. They are radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. And because Everlane sells directly to you, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. I even got a duffel bag from them, and it is killer. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t-shirt are exactly what they should be. Simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. I really like their Oxford shirt. Real big fan of that. Fits in the sleeves, fits in the collar. And I got a, two Buffalo Check flannels, and I love the colors and the way they fit. And like I said, that duffel bag is pretty sick and a black denim jacket. I couldn't find one anywhere. <laughs> and then Everlane came along and now I have love in my life. Everlane's timeless essentials are just what you're looking for. No frills, just quality. And right now you can check out our personalized collection, all that stuff I just mentioned, at everlane.com baseball. Plus you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com baseball. Everlane.com baseball. <coughs> I travel a lot for work. My work is essentially travel. I go all over the country to do stand-up. So I tend to, almost always, take luggage with me. I've had a lot of different kinds of bags over the years. Duffel bags, rolly bags, non-rolly bags. But I finally got a bag that actually works for me, feels good, looks good, and doesn't get beat up on every single flight. It's the Away bag. I know you've been hearing about them, maybe even seeing their commercials, but you've definitely seen them around airports. Away makes the perfect luggage. The approach is simple. We create special objects that are designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you travel today. They're a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers. That sounds like me. Their focus and inspiration is movement, times of transition, exploration, and surprise. They create special objects that are at home on the road that carry you forward, making your trip easier, and in a small way, your life better. They were founded by two friends from New York who found themselves at JFK with dead phones, delayed flights, and a bright idea. 
luggage with power. Thus, the Away carry-on was born, and my life was changed. Away uses high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. You can choose from a variety of colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large for extended stays. Key design features are all away suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and very lightweight. The interior features a patent pending compression system helpful for overpackers. I gotta tell you, it's very convenient. There's not a ton of pockets in there, but I find myself more organized with less pockets in the away luggage. Four 360 degree spinner wheels guaranteed for a smooth ride. And it is, I will tell you, smoothest luggage that I've got. TSA approved combination lock built into the top of the bag to prevent theft and a removable washable laundry bag that keeps dirty clothes separate from clean. That might be my favorite part other than the battery is the laundry bag that snaps in because I'm always using plastic bags and that's just gross. Both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your phone five times. And I can say that that is very true. They do. They have a lifetime warranty and a 100-day trial. And on top of that, you get free shipping on any Away order within the lower 48 states. And all carry-on sizes that are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while maximizing the amount you can pack. So for $20 off a suitcase, visit Away travel.com slash baseball and use promo code baseball during checkout again for $20 off and away suitcase that you will love for the rest of your life I guarantee it visit awaytravel.com slash baseball and use promo code baseball during checkout all right we're back I said something right before the break that I feel like many people have a lot of thoughts on but what about a league of their own I know it's a tie. It's a King Solomon's kind of a thing right here for me. It's it's a tough it's a tough split on these because I think that each one now these as a reminder are Bull Durham from 1988 and A League of Their Own from 1992. It's a tough 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 split because each one deals in gender and gender relation and uh, all kinds of things. The thing about Bull Durham is that Bull Durham is not just a pl- the player's side of the game. That is something that I really love about Bull Durham is it's also about the love of the game as a fan. And that's something that I really love about it. However, A League of Their Own is about the love of the game as a player from a perspective of players that you almost never see. <laughs> so they are equal. They're equal. They're equal. Uh, and each movie I quote equally in terms whenever I'm playing baseball, each one comes out of my mouth <laughs> as often as the other. So it's real hard for me to pick between these two, those two movies, um, when it all comes down to it. Um, they're both really well written. They're both very well acted. They're both, <laughs> they both feel like a baseball game when you watch them. So they're, they're the two, I, I mean, to me, best sports movies ever made. Uh, period. I've seen, you know, there's baseball for whatever reason, and I could get into it and maybe I will, is the most, I think, cinematic sport out of all of them. And you can make a case for every sport there. It's all theatrics. It's all drama. It's all that. But I don't know. I mean, you could start it off with the Walt Whitman quote that uh, Annie Savoy has at the near the end of the movie, which I looked up to get the whole thing because she tells you to look it up. 
Uh, I see great things in baseball. It's our game, the American game. It will take our people out of doors, fill them with oxygen, give them a larger physical stoicism, tend to relieve us from being a nervous, dyspeptic set, repair these losses, and be a blessing to us. And I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of true. <laughs> it still holds true, I feel like, and that is... You know, a lot of people don't like baseball these days. I'm curious if that was the case back then in the late 1800s at the turn of the century and stuff. If as many people hated baseball because it was boring. I feel like they probably didn't because it had to be pretty exciting compared to the other shit that was going on in the world. Because there were no TVs or radios or anything. So, seems like it was probably pretty exciting when it started. But that's just a guess because I wasn't alive back then. So... Uh, now I'm going to talk just specifically about Bull Durham, uh, which, as I said, is from 1988. It was directed by Ron Shelton and also written by Ron Shelton, and it stars Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins, Trey Wilson, and Robert Wool. Um, and this is the movie that Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins met on, and you can kind of see their sort of like on-screen sparks within their own relationship. Some scenes feel like it's Tim and Susan and some scenes feel like it's Nuke and Annie and it's kind of interesting for that reason. But uh, yes, I, it's also one of those movies and I've talked about this a lot. Like I was on uh, Julian McCullough and his uh, fiance whose name is escaping me right this second. <laughs> Damn it. I was on Soft Spot and we talked about Back to the Future and I mentioned that it was a movie that sort of grows with you. And I recently rewatched Back to the Future and I have something really sad to report. I don't like it as much. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I guess I'm getting older or something, but like I still have a, a huge appreciation for it. And I think a lot of it was, you know, I watched it a lot with my mom and it was like a bonding thing. And there's still, it's, I can quote the entire movie and the cinematography of it is great. But, like, I really just can't get down with the way Lorraine is. She's not a person. George and Marty get to be people. Even Doc gets to be a person. But the women in the movie don't really get to be people. They're just kind of, like, cardboard cutouts. Um, but anyway. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Anyway, these movies, they, like, grow with you. And I think uh, part of it is I definitely saw Bull Durham when I was too young to be watching a movie like this, even though I didn't see like the like sex scenes, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch those parts. Like it's not even the sex scenes that are the most adult. Like a lot of this is very adult, like how how you interact with each other and and what you're supposed to do in relationship with each other. It's it's like it's just a very adult movie. And when I was a kid, I remember, you know, I only really cared about the baseball stuff. And I used to think that the ending was like this huge bummer because I was a kid and I was basically nuke watching this movie just going like, oh, what a bummer. And now when I watch it, I have a completely different perspective on it. Obviously, because I'm like, I don't know, probably older than Crash and Annie are supposed to be in this movie, um, which is kind of crazy or kind of wild to think about that I'm supposed to be older than that. Which I think is probably true. I don't know. It's got to be, right? Uh, 36? That's about the retirement age in baseball. Like, not. I, I, now you're going to yell at me and be like, there's a lot of players that are older than that. But yeah. But also, like, people don't really play baseball past 34. It's kind of where you start, especially catchers. So I really do think, I mean, the beginning, there are so many monologues. Crash, you, sure, you do love your speeches. There's so many monologues in this movie, and something that I also noticed this time watching it again, there's so many um, 
Chekhov's guns, basically, in this movie, where, like, somebody says, like, well, at the beginning, Annie asks Crash to dance, and he says, I don't dance. And then she asks him to dance later, and he says yes, and then they have sex. <laughs> also, she tells Nuke to take his socks off, and then when Crash comes to her house, and they hook up finally, he's wearing his socks the almost the whole time. <laughs> So like, there's all these, I never noticed that before, you know, I, I didn't make the, I didn't, cause I wasn't ever watching the movie to review it. So kind of fun to, to watch it with a critical eye like that and catch all those, like, they're not really Easter eggs, but it's a, it, it reminds me of baseball in that way where something you do in the first inning comes back to haunt you or bless you in the ninth inning. Um, and maybe that's what, Shelton was trying to do there but I love the her opening speech at the beginning about the church of baseball metaphysics to theology she prefers that and that in baseball you just got to relax and concentrate uh plus the 108 stitches uh and the 108 beads in the rosary and then that of course relates back to the most exciting world series win of a long time which is the Chicago Cubs winning the world series for the first time in 108 years 10 to 8, and the 108 coming back up again. Um, and I just, I took a bunch of notes about all kinds of things, but I just, the feeling of this movie is baseball. And something else I noticed is they clearly had to shoot this movie in winter because there are many, like, day scenes where you can see uh, breath coming out of their mouths. And that must have sucked real bad because, <laughs> like, there's some scenes where they have, like, sweat sprayed on them and... Oof, boy, that must have been real cold. Um, I mean, it just, it comes out of the gate talking about baseball in such specific baseball terms that Annie teaches these guys to be confident and that lasts a lifetime and they make her feel safe and pretty and that only lasts 142 games and it sounds like a bad trade, but that's baseball. It's full of a bunch of bad trades. I mean, come on. That's like, oh, and Susan Sarandon just sells sells being a baseball fan so well um her hitting in the batting cages isn't great but she was making contact i think on all those um she doesn't really keep her head in but whatever speaking of that batting cage scene when kevin costner turns around and hits that one one-handed i mean come on i think that's why we haven't had any good baseball movies in a long time because there's no kevin costner anymore he just is the best baseball actor that's ever lived i think he gets it. <laughs> I watched, I think I've mentioned this before, so forgive me if I, I'm repeating myself, but on, it was recently the 25th anniversary of Field of Dreams, which is also a baseball movie that when I was a kid, I was like, this movie's boring. And then I watched it as an adult and I was just tears, tears, tears. Um, and they did a anniversary sh like special on MLB Network with Kevin Costner. And it was a really compelling watch like the way he talked about filmmaking and how it's changed as like a producer and that they had to get the la the final closing shot of field of dreams and they had one chance to get it and so they were both like so worried about dropping the ball when they were playing catch like stuff like that was really cool um robert wool is amazing in this movie tim robbins is doing amazing stuff susan sarandon is doing amazing shit um you know, it starts out with Tim Robbins as having sex with Millie in the locker room. And I just want to point out, he definitely has his cleats on. And I'm pretty sure you'd be wearing metal cleats. And that would be very difficult to keep your balance on on a concrete floor like that. So, a little bit of continuity there that I don't totally believe. 
Um, the soundtrack is perfect to this movie. It gives you that feeling of old-timey baseball, but also current, you know. And in this movie, like, the hairstyles and the clothes and everything are very 1988, but at the same time, kind of feel timeless a little bit, because, like, it's a lot of... And the short sleeve button-ups in this movie are mwah, tremendous. Like, the costume department crushed it. I also love that Kevin Costner's shirts, the collars are, like, always askew. He's never, like, fully, like, he's put together, but never fully put together. You know, like, his character has a little bit of that hanging out. Um, And his introduction coming into the office and saying to Robert Wool, the, the bench coach, uh, you hung a curveball in an 0-2 pitch in a 3-2 game. We beat you four to two. <laughs> Robert Wool goes. I should have thrown a slider. Good to see a crash. <laughs> like such a great like that you could just remember because you would you would remember everything, but the last time you saw each other, and he says the classic line, "I'm too old for this shit." Also, we get uh, Tim Robbins with his radical in a tubular way. I mean, just this movie. There's no. It's it, it it's like Back to the Future to me, where there's no there's no moments in the movie that you don't need. Nothing is frivolous because it all kind of fits together. Like Millie is flirting. She walks over the one dude and is like, hi, I'm Millie. And he's like, hi, I'm married. Just like perfect. This is like sitcom writing. And then he turns to Jose and he says, he talks about how he's like Christian or whatever. And But then he, he, he'll believe in anything to get a hit. Those are people that you barely see for the rest. Of, I mean, you see them, but you barely see them. You don't really need all that information, but it just folds in on itself. I love that batting cage scene. Love the strikeouts are fascist, ground balls are more democratic. <laughs> I mean, I think that the reason why baseball people who don't like baseball can watch this and watch A League of Their Own is that they have something in common, which is the editing feels like a game, and it feels like the way you want a game to look. And that's maybe why people who like baseball movies but don't like baseball can watch a baseball movie because it moves the way you want a game to move, which is hearing them talk to each other and then sped up action in the game where you only get action but those mound visits all the mound visits like when he he won't listen to him I, I love crash davis in the box talking to himself that's a real that's a very real and very relatable thing the fastball tell it was almost like he knew i was gonna throw it he did i told him <laughs> but at the same time he tells him fastball that dude cranks a home run off the bull and then he stands there and watches it and Crash yells at him because it's still his pitcher. You're going to show up my pitcher. He didn't give it to him because he was trying to he's trying to teach him a lesson, you know? And that's what I like about it. Then he even te tells the manager what to do. He's like, their kids, go scare them. Robert Wool's uh, 10 Mississippi reading is one of my favorite things of all time. They're 8 and 16. You lollygag to first base. You lollygag in the infield. What does that make you? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. Like, such a great... Oh, man. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. Now I'm just like, I'm just quoting quotes from this movie. But it also, let's see how long it is. This movie is, oh, also, <laughs> the most commonly used Catholic rosary has only four, 59 beads. Well, whatever. It's 108 minutes. It's a perfect amount of time. Not even two hours. 108 minutes. 108! Oh, come on, man. Also, just a, like a thing that I noticed, and this is obviously for the movie, but Weird to me that they didn't... There's no other pitchers. You never see anybody else pitch. And obviously you want to focus on the relationship between the catcher and the pit, the single pitcher because that's one of the two relationships in the movie. One of the three relationships in the movie. But I also think it could be interesting to have another pitcher that Nuke occasionally talked to. But 
who who cares? Um, quadraphonic blau punked. <laughs> I love the uh, hit them where they ain't. That's a great quote too. The bus conversation when all the dudes like come up around crash and he's t- regaling them with his stories for t- twenty one days in the show. Uh, hit wh- white bat. You hit white balls for batting practice. They're so excited about it. And he even says, like, and the women all have long legs and brains. And one dude goes, they're hot. And he's like, yeah, they're hot. Like, even then, they still don't get it. And, like, you can't get it until you go. And even when you go, you probably don't get it. Um, I like the scene when uh, Annie has him come o- has Nuke come over and pitch to Millie. Because he, like, won't throw it to her. She's like, you're patronizing. <laughs> like, it is pretty great. And then he throws it and he can't, he still can't. The fight scene at the beginning, come on. It is tough to review a movie by yourself. I'm realizing that. This is why I haven't been doing it. But hey, what are you going to do? Basically, I'm going to say all this stuff. Then you're going to watch Bull Durham. And then you're going to tweet at me. And we're going to have a conversation about it. That's what all this is for. There's no other pictures. He also gets the... uh, She gives him the lingerie. And (laughs) Crash comes up to him. and It's like Rose goes in the front. Big guy. So my pitcher on my team, Phil, he likes to drink rosé. There's like a canned rosé that he gets. And he would put it in the cooler for every game. And I'd be like, rosé goes in the front, big guy. And I don't know if anybody got that joke the whole time I made it. Or maybe they didn't want to laugh. But (laughs) I made it, that joke, all summer long. And it never got a goddamn laugh. But I will not stop. And I will do it next season. Uh, Also, one of the things that, you know, the, the Chekhov's gun things, like Annie's talking about how... Sex and baseball are the same thing. You got to just relax and concentrate. Then later she says there's no relationship between sex and baseball. It's perfect. Also the crash conversation at the pool hall. That's just a great, that whole scene is perfect. Where he talks about the difference between hitting two, 250 and 350, right? 50 points, two, 300, 350, whatever it is. About the dying quail, ground ball with eyes. It's good shit. And then he hits him with his left because the last time he couldn't hit him and I don't hit nobody for that it's so good and I noticed this line before that I hadn't caught when Kevin Costner says I have been known on occasion to howl at the moon (laughs) might be something that you find yourself doing in the future I mean these two guys are just the same guy at different points in lives you know this movie is kind of about time travel and for Annie it's also time travel too where she's starting to see her future and she like actually really is into crash like he says something at the beginning like are what you're afraid this could be real and that's absolutely the reason plus she's doing her job you know it might be a self-appointed job but she's doing her job her baseball job which is she's teaching these guys what she wants to teach them so she's not ready to retire yet she doesn't want to hang them up you know crash wants to get that uh 220 247 whether he says it or not he wants to get that last one and then he comes back to her place and he says, I I hit, I got my dinger and I hung him up. And like, he's her dinger, I guess. Or Nuke was her dinger. Last dinger and she's done. I do love when Crash says fear and arrogance and Nuke says, oh yeah, fear and ignorance. And he gets so mad and he's like, no, I know what you said. I just like to see you all worked up. Like it's such a perfect little, you know, cap to their whole relationship and understanding. And uh, just, I, I don't know. I, I love this movie, even though he, like, is calling himself queer at that one point. He's like, doesn't make me queer, right? Doesn't make I'm not queer. <laughs> like, it's not... Sometimes, and the, the whole, like, uh, hey, I'm going to say a word you might not like, cocksucker conversation with the umpire. Like, it's in a context where it makes sense that somebody would be saying that, and it's a thing you don't say, and it's a thing... They literally say it's a thing you don't say. <laughs> and so, 
for me, like it makes sense and it doesn't bother me. Um, I mean, I don't like that word in general, but it's in the movie for a reason. And what are you going to put it in there, asshole? It doesn't work the same as the whole thing. Plus, the commentary is don't say that. So I could take it as don't say that. And I know they're saying you don't say that to an umpire, but the point is you don't say that if you don't want to get your ass kicked. So don't say it. <laughs> you know, and in that context, it's don't say it to someone who isn't that. But I could also walk it further down the road and just be like, yeah, don't say it to anybody because it sucks. Eh, I didn't mean that. But the ending to me is like, is so great. Obviously, they get together and they're supposed to be together. And there's a bit of a misdirect where he like leaves and she thinks he's gone forever. But then he comes back and he says, you know, he's he just he doesn't want to talk about metaphysics and all that stuff or baseball. He just wants to be. And I think that's such a great moment and when i was younger i used to because it's it's intercut with nuke in uh the old atlanta stadium and him saying all his dumb cliches and still not understanding it still not really getting it but you know just doing what he was told to do and maybe not taking it for granted a little bit but with his like five dollar (laughs) haircut that like what's more important in life you know what is the more important thing or what should anything be more important than just being? I don't think so. And getting what you think you want versus getting what you've got is a big journey. And like none of this, he says to her, she's so, Annie's so mad at Crash because he he's she thinks he's telling Nuke not to sleep with her. And he's like, I never said that. I just said, don't mess with your streak. If you think you've got, you're on a streak because you're getting laid or you think you're on a streak because you're not getting laid, that's why you're on a streak and you should know that. You know, like, it, it's not personal. Like, all this stuff isn't personal. And that's the, the, that's baseball. Is It's not personal. It's you, but it's not personal. And that's why he didn't want anybody to make a big deal about it and that he just wanted to be a flower that blossomed and nobody saw it. But... Not nobody saw it because Annie knows. Somebody knows, you know? And does it matter if everybody knows or if one person knows? And that one person could be you. I don't know. Maybe that's like a big journey of life. How important is it for everybody to know? I don't know. Well, this one's a nice, tight 30 minutes. Just get in and get out. Do yourself a favor. Watch Bull Durham in the offseason. If you have MLB Network, they play it often, but it's edited for TV. So I highly recommend watching it. I watched it on Blu-ray. It looked pretty good. I wouldn't say that it's like some crazy restore or anything like that. But I do I do really like the movie a lot. It clips along super fast. At 108 minutes, it doesn't even feel that long. It really is like watching a baseball game, which is nice. Um, so yeah, that's Bull Durham. One out of two of my absolute favorite sports movies of all time. I did it. I did a movie review. I also wanted to mention that I got myself a Christmas present, an early one, from Hardcore Hammers. And I highly recommend getting yourself one of their hatchets for many reasons. One, everybody should have a hatchet. You should have a hatchet. You should throw it in your car when you're going on a trip. You should have it. It's a good thing to have around. And you should learn how to swing a hatchet properly. It's just like baseball. And it's a great life skill. And it'll make you feel good. And number two, B, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best Buzz impression, Buzz McAllister impression. B, it's made in the U.S. and it's very high quality and it's only 60 bucks and it doubles as a ha- hammer. It's got a hammer head on the one side, it's got a nail pull and the 
blade edge is so perfectly sharp. It's very good. I think you should get yourself one for Christmas and get one for a friend and get one for your family and get one for everybody you know. <laughs> Not everybody. I just think it's a great gift and it's so baseball adjacent to me that I just wanted to pass that along to everybody. So also, thanks to everybody that's listened this year and thanks to everybody that's hung on with the intermittent episode releases. I super appreciate it. Um, if you can, if you have money left over after the holidays, or if you're not really getting presents for people for the holidays, please, uh, go online and find some good places to donate. Also, you can donate, um, lightly used clothes and things like that to many shelters. Um, I highly recommend going to Target, buying some socks and underwear, um, men's and women's because that clothing is separated by gender. So get those things. Take them to homeless shelters or uh, battered women's shelters. They need those items. Like they get a lot of shirts and uh, sweatshirts and blankets and stuff like that. But then people forget that socks and essentials like underwear are really highly needed. So if you have the extra cash this this year or if you're not doing gifts, take that money that you were going to maybe put towards gifts and do that. Also, canned food drives are still happening. All these things are happening. Toys for kids that, that, are, that otherwise wouldn't get them. And then also after you have all of that left over, if you have any cash that you can spare, uh, one of my friends and former teammates, Jason Sands, suffered like a freak accident. Um, he fell through a, a, a roof, went like a skylight on an apartment and has suffered like a, a, a huge spinal injury and has been in and out of the ICU. And he has health insurance, but it doesn't start until January 1st. So he is in a huge financial bind um, because he is currently paralyzed from the waist down and is looking at a long, long recovery. And um, he's a really kind human being. He was my teammate for at least for three seasons and uh, played with him, always had a smile on his face, always a kind guy, very funny, just a big heart in the scene. And so if you have anything you can spare, even $5, I'm sure will help. Um, I have tweeted it out and I will tweet it out again after this episode so that the GoFundMe link will be around. And um, a little further down the road than all of that, please, the next time we have uh, elections, please vote for people that want to change uh, insurance policy in this country because it is abhorrent with all the money that we have floating around in this country that people can't, uh, that can go into $300,000 worth of debt because they took a wrong step. Um, so please, if you can this season, give lend a helping hand to those in need. And um, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to keep going. I am maybe hopefully going to spring training this season. I'm going to try to keep covering uh, women's baseball and just baseball in general. would love to get to some minor league games while I'm on tour, if that's ever possible. We shall see, but I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep loving baseball because I don't think it's ever going to change. So please follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, follow me, tell a friend about the show. If you like it, let them know. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.